Hi, everybody. It's Tarek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Thursday, January 19th, 2023. Uh, there's a couple of anniversaries. On January 18th, 1967, Christian militias linked to the Kataib party in Lebanon rampaged through the poor and predominantly Palestinian Quarantina neighborhood in eastern Beirut. They're estimated to have killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 people, which makes the Quarantina massacre one of the first major atrocities of the Lebanese civil war, certainly not the last. Uh, on January 18, 2002, the Sierra Leone Civil War, which had begun in 1991, ended with the victory of the British-backed Sierra Leone government over the Re revolutionary United Front rebels who were backed by Liberian President Charles Taylor. The conflict was known largely for its atrocities, from the uh, considerable use of child soldiers to mass killings uh, and the mass rape of civilians. For his involvement in the conflict, the International Criminal Court convicted Taylor of war crimes in 2012. He's currently serving a 50-year prison term. On January 19, 1817, Argentine rebel leader José de San Martín uh, led his army, along with a group of Chilean rebels led by Bernardo O'Higgins, uh, across the Andes Mountains into royalist-controlled Chile. Uh, although San Martín lost, by some counts, as much as uh, a third of his army in the crossing, the combined force emerged in Chile and won the decisive Battle of Chacabuco on February 12th, which forced royalist forces to withdraw north into Peru. The crossing is considered something of a milestone in the course of the Latin American independence movement, particularly, uh, obviously, in the southern part of, of uh, South America. And on January 19, 1883, the borough of Roselle in New Jersey became the first community lit entirely with electric lighting via overhead wires. This, was, this system was designed by Thomas Edison uh, to prove that you could electrify an entire town in this way. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the concept caught on uh, and he proved his point. Uh, on to the news in the Middle East. Uh, in Lebanon, the Lebanese parliament tried and failed for the 11th time to elect a new president on Thursday, a display of futility that may have helped push the Lebanese pound to a new all-time exchange low of over 50000 per U.S. dollar in black market trading. The legislature's ongoing inability to coalesce on a president means it can't even begin to consider forming a new government, which leaves basically nobody in position to take any action to try to stabilize the currency or negotiate a new international financial arrangements. Compounding the political crisis, Lebanese central bank governor Riyad Salame is under investigation in a Europe-wide money laundering scandal that further compromises negotiations with, say, the International Monetary Fund. Salame has been in office since 1993, and he's accused of treating Lebanon's financial system basically like a giant Ponzi scheme, uh, which has contributed greatly to the country's ongoing economic meltdown. His current term should be up this year, I believe. It's a six-year term, and he was last uh, appointed in 2017. But again, with only a caretaker government in place, it's unclear uh, whether anybody has the authority to actually uh, replace him or, or uh, you know, make other arrangements. Uh, in Israel-Palestine, Israeli occupation forces killed two more Palestinians, one an Islamic Jihad member and the other a teacher, during an operation in the West Bank city of Jenin on Thursday. As ever, Israeli officials say their personnel came under attack and responded in self-defense. Israeli forces have now killed 17 Palestinians in the West Bank so far, uh, as we are here on January 19th, 2023. 
the Israeli Supreme Court's order that Benjamin Netanyahu sack his Minister of Health and of the Interior, Arya Derry, uh, is threatening to drive the country deeper into a political crisis, as early indications are that the two men intend to simply ignore the court. Uh, back when he was forming his very far-right coalition, Netanyahu was at pains to assure both the Israeli public and an international audience that he would ultimately be running the show and that uh, he would keep any of uh, sort of excesses uh, of his reactionary coalition partners in check. In truth, Netanyahu is now beholden to those reactionaries, including those like Derry, who have criminal malfeasance on their records. Uh, he can't fire this guy because he needs the Shah's party, which Derry runs, uh, and it's 11 votes in the, in the legislature uh, to maintain his coalition. So he is uh, basically at the mercy of these guys. On to Asia and Kazakhstan, uh, where President Kasim Jomar Tokayev ordered Parliament's dissolution on Thursday and scheduled a, scheduled a snap election, which will be the first parliamentary election under the uh, constitutional changes that he pushed through last year uh, for March 19th. In promoting those constitutional changes, Tokayev indicated that he would be surrendering some of his power to parliament to try to rebalance Kazakhstan's political institutions. Uh, his, uh, shall we say, uh, overwhelming victory in November's presidential election appears to have cast some doubt on his uh, alleged commitment to democratic norms. So I would imagine this vote will come under some scrutiny uh, along those same lines. In Pakistan, Pakistani Taliban fighters attacked a police facility in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province on Thursday, killing at least three police officers when one of the attackers detonated a suicide bomb. At last check, Pakistani authorities had not determined the number of people who were wounded in the attack. Uh, in Myanmar, the Myanmar military reportedly killed at least seven people late Wednesday when it conducted airstrikes on a village in the central Myanmar's uh, Sagang region. Uh, at least five more people were wounded in the attack, and most of the surviving villagers appear to have fled. It's unclear what would have provoked the attack, and so far there's been no comment on the incident from the authorities. Uh, in K oh, and, uh, sorry, in Taiwan, in case you missed uh, new FX contributor James Lin's uh, piece yesterday on the history behind Taiwan's current state of international marginalization, uh, I do have a little excerpt uh, here in the newsletter, in the written newsletter, but I will just urge you here, uh, because this is already going to be uh, long enough as it is, this voiceover, I'll just urge you to check it out. It's there on the website. You can find it. It's pinned at the top of the page. Um, it's a good piece, and I think it, it um, really outlines a lot of history that uh, m most audiences might not be aware of. So, uh, you know, definitely check it out if, if China and Taiwan is an area of interest to you, especially. Uh, moving on to Africa and Kenya, Kenyan security forces carried out an operation targeting Ashabab fighters in Garissa County on Thursday, killing at least 10 people and reportedly seizing a significant cache of weapons. Ashabab hasn't commented on this as far as I know, but the group is active in northern Kenya and has been particularly active uh, in Garissa in recent days. So um, this is probably some, to some extent a retaliation for that recent activity. Uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Kodeko militia fighters reportedly attacked a displaced persons camp in the eastern DRC's Ituri province on Thursday, killing at least seven people. After the attack, a group of camp residents ransacked an office belonging to the United Nations peacekeeping operation. Uh, civilians in the eastern uh, DR Congo have grown increasingly frustrated with UN peacekeepers who seem either unable or unwilling to do very much to keep the peace uh, or to protect 
protect civilians, certainly. That frustration has at times uh, in recent months boiled over uh, into protests, sometimes violent protests uh, in Ituri and in neighboring North Kivu province. On to Europe. In Russia, the Russian military has reportedly installed air defense systems on several rooftops in Moscow. I don't really uh, have anything to say here. It's unclear that anybody's actually planning to carry out an airstrike on the Russian capital, but I suppose this is the sort of thing that it's better to have and not need than to need and not have. And I suspect also there is a political message here uh, for the people of Moscow suggesting that uh, you know, everybody's under siege, that Russia's the real uh, victim here, and that, uh, you know, their their lives are in danger because of the West, uh, or because of the Ukrainians, or both, I guess. Uh, so it probably doesn't hurt as a symbolic uh, kind of thing. Uh, in Ukraine, members of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group are, of course, meeting in Germany this week. We mentioned this earlier this week in the newsletter. Uh, and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said on Thursday that he's expecting Friday's session uh, to produce a major announcement regarding the provision of main battle tanks to the Ukrainian military. Thursday's session generated billions of dollars worth of new weapons commitments, including a new $2.5 billion package from the United States that features more Bradley fighting vehicles. Uh, for the first time, it features the Striker armored vehicle. Uh, so a number of, of heavy-ish weapon systems being sent from the United States. But the question of tanks still remains unsettled despite numerous Ukrainian requests for that particular type of weapon. Uh, most attention in this regard uh, has focused on Germany, uh, whose Leopard 2 tanks are widely used throughout Europe and would be the easiest and quickest uh, to transfer to Ukraine uh, in the short term. Uh, the German government has re-export agreements that require its consent or assent before countries that are using the Leopard can transfer them on to Ukraine. Uh, and so far, it has refused to give that assent. Earlier this week, uh, it was reported that, that the German government was prepared to approve the transfer of Leopards, provided that the U.S. government were also willing to agree to send its M1 Abrams tank to Ukraine. Washington has shown little interest in doing that, and there is uh, a feeling that the Abrams, which is can be a little temperamental, let's say, from a durability standpoint, uh, it consumes a lot of fuel, that it, it may not, for a variety of reasons, uh, be a great choice for the Ukrainian military. Uh, German defense minister, for what it's worth, German defense minister Boris Pistorius uh, appeared to deny that Abrams linkage or that Abrams report on Thursday. Uh, now, a group of European governments meeting separately in Estonia on Thursday, which included the United Kingdom, uh, announced their own collective plan to inject uh, as many more and more sophisticated uh, weapons into Ukraine as soon as possible. Among the countries involved in that agreement, Agreement, uh, are several that use the Leopard 2, uh, including Poland, whose Prime Minister, uh, Mateusz Morawiecki, uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably mangling that, uh, suggested to Polish media, apparently, that his government 
could decide to send its leopards to Ukraine, whether Germany approved or not, um, which would violate this these re-export agreements. Uh, but, you know, he seemed to suggest they might do it anyway. Uh, more countries could make similar pledges on Friday. Uh, this would put more pressure on the Germans to either permit the transfers or risk their biggest weapons clients kind of flouting German export rules. And there is some question as to, like, what are the Germans really going to do if these uh, countries just say, we don't care, we're going to send our tanks to Ukraine anyway? Uh, it's not clear that they could do anything. They could, of course, cut off arms sales uh, to these companies and say, well, we're not going to sell you any more tanks. But that wouldn't be good for the German arms industry, uh, probably wouldn't be good for the German government and its sort of reputation in Europe. So there's a lot of reasons to think uh, they might not do anything. But uh, I suppose time will tell. Uh, probably they will wind up, I should say, they probably will wind up acquiescing to the pressure and permitting the, the re-export of the, these tanks uh, eventually, if not tomorrow, then soon. Uh, in Czechia, as expected, uh, the Czech government easily survived the parliamentary no-confidence vote that it was facing on Wednesday evening. We mentioned uh, that no-confidence motion was coming up uh, earlier this week. Uh, there had been no indication of any sort of disruption in the ruling coalition ahead of that vote that would have given the opposition a real shot at winning it. Uh, the confidence motion instead appears more to have been a campaign stunt, as, as I think we mentioned earlier this week, uh, by former Prime Minister Andrei Babish. Uh, who leads the opposition ANO party and is revving up for the second round of the Czech presidential election at the end of the month and maybe looking for something to sort of uh, shake up his chase. Polling suggests pretty slim chances uh, of actually winning that runoff. In France, an estimated 1.1 million or more people demonstrated in Paris and other cities across France, uh, and unions staged nationwide strikes on Thursday uh, to express opposition to French President Emmanuel Macron's plan to raise the French retirement age from 62 to 64. The protests appear to have been mostly peaceful, but there were some violent incidents, particularly in Paris. I do have a, a little YouTube video that I uh, embedded in the newsletter this evening, so if you're not reading... You can click over there and check it out. Uh, Macron doesn't seem terribly moved by all the public opposition. He has insisted that raising the retirement age is, uh, retirement age is unavoidable, uh, lest the French pens pension system become insolvent. Uh, union leaders have countered, I would say probably reasonably, that you could raise taxes uh, or mandate higher contributions to the pension from employers, uh, and that would keep the system solvent without dumping the entire burden uh, for solvency on workers. But Macron is... Is of course ideologically opposed uh, to anything like that, so it's a non-starter for him. Uh, the unions are already planning another day of strikes and marches later this month. On to the Americas in Bolivia. A Bolivian judge on Thursday upheld Santa Cruz Governor Luis Fernando Camacho's pretrial detention. Uh, a different judge late last month ordered Fernando Camacho, who, in addition to being governor of Bolivia's largest state, is also the country's most prominent opposition figure, uh, ordered him held for four months as he faces potential charges for his role in fomenting the 2019 coup that ousted former Bolivian President Evo Morales. Uh, Fernando Camacho's supporters have been blockading highways in Santa Cruz. We mentioned this in Friday's, last Friday's newsletter, to try to force his release. It is probably safe to assume that unrest will continue or even escalate in light of this decision. 
in Peru, two people were killed in southern Peru's Puno region on Wednesday amid further protests over the ouster and arrest of former Peruvian President Pedro Castillo. Angered residents in the town of Macusani attacked a police station in response, forcing the officers stationed there to evacuate by helicopter. Since Castillo was removed from office last month, some 55 people have been killed in these protests, most of them in southern Peru, where support for Castillo has been uh, the strongest. On Thursday, thousands of Castillo supporters, many of them from southern Peru, demonstrated in Lima to demand Castillo's release from custody and the resignation of Peru's current government. Police responded with tear gas, but I haven't seen any reports of fatalities in the capital. One protester was killed in the city of Arequipa when demonstrators attempted to enter the airport uh, and were met by uh, police uh, barricades. Uh, And finally, in the United States, William Hartung at at, uh, Tom Dispatch uh, argues that the U.S. military's massive annual budget doesn't even make sense by the Pentagon's own standards. Uh, he writes about the Pentagon, the, the, the U.S. military's national defense strategy, which uh, basically eschews uh, kind of making any priorities uh, and says we need to be ready to fight a war against Russia, against China, against Iran, against North Korea. We need to keep doing the war on terror. Uh, we need to keep you know maintaining counterterrorism activities in uh, dozens of countries around the world. Uh, and as Hartung notes, even when Biden withdrew from Afghanistan, he still made it clear that the war on terror was not ending. So I'm just going to read you a couple of uh, paragraphs here from Hartung's piece. In keeping with Biden's pledge, U.S. military involvement in Iraq, Syria, and Somalia remains ongoing. Meanwhile, the administration continues to focus its Africa policy on military aid and training to the detriment of non-military support for nations facing the challenges, not just of terrorist attacks, but of corruption, human rights abuses, and the devastation of climate change. Consider it ironic, then, that a Pentagon budget crafted by this administration and expanded upon by Congress isn't even faintly aligned with that department's own strategy. Buying $13 billion aircraft carriers vulnerable to modern high-speed missiles, buying staggeringly expensive F-35 fighters unlikely to be usable in a great power conflict, purchasing excess nuclear weapons more likely to spur than reduce an arms race while only increasing the risk of a catastrophic nuclear conflict, uh, and maintaining an army of more than 450,000 active duty troops that would be essentially irrelevant in a conflict with China are only the most obvious examples of how bureaucratic inertia, parochial politics, and corporate money-making outweigh anything faintly faintly resembling strategic concerns in the budgeting process. Uh, And that's a good place to end for tonight. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening uh, and or reading, uh, listening to and or reading the newsletter. And thanks to those of you who are subscribed, especially those of you who have made the jump to become paid foreign exchange subscribers uh, and uh, are helping to to keep the newsletter going. Uh, With that, uh, you know, please uh, share the newsletter, tell your friends, Uh, always happy to uh, bring some more eyeballs to the to the newsletter. So if you could do that, that would be great. Uh, And with that, until next time, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.